This episode is brought to you by Hover. Every great idea deserves a great domain name. That's why I head right over to Hover.com to see what's available whenever I have a new project percolating. Hover has a dizzying array of extensions to choose from, Whois privacy is included with every domain, and features like Hover Connect make it super easy to connect your domain to a variety of popular website builders with just a few clicks. If you've got an idea you're passionate about, start laying the groundwork now by heading over to hover.com slash hurry slowly to get 10% off your first purchase. That's H-O-V-E-R dot com slash hurry slowly. I'm Jocelyn K. Gly, and this is Hurry Slowly, a podcast about pacing yourself, where I explore how you can find more calm, comfort, and clarity through the simple act of slowing down. We've just turned a corner into the new year and arrived at that special moment where, at least from the point of view of society and our peers, it's time to reinvent ourselves, to make resolutions, set new intentions, and give ourselves a fresh start. And I'm sure some of you listening already have your agenda of 2020 accomplishments well mapped out. And maybe you've even already made a little progress in some of those resolutions. Others of you might be feeling a bit adrift or maybe a little anxious. If you're not sure where you're going or how to tweak the formula, all of this societal pressure to reinvent yourself every year can feel rather stressful. Of course you want to feel a sense of purpose, to have a North Star that guides everything you do. Who doesn't? But how do you uncover it? And where do you start? For all of us, I think the practice is simpler than we suspect. It doesn't matter if you're brimming over with intentions for the new year, or if you're still casting about, trying to find a new direction. We all have one core need, which is essential to creating, healing, and really just doing generative work of any kind. And that's space. The rarest commodity in the speed-obsessed, jam-packed, overscheduled lives that we live. So that's what I want to talk about today, the practice of holding space. Typically, the term holding space is used in a group or interpersonal context. It's the idea of being open, present, and allowing. To hold space for another person so that they can feel comfortable exploring their ideas, sensations, or emotions in a safe environment. A space that's free from judgment, interruption, commentary, or advice. But what if we took this concept of holding space and thought about how we might apply it to ourselves? To create space for ourselves in our daily lives that feels open, present, and allowing. To create space for ourselves that is free from judgment, from interruption, from commentary, and advice. What would it feel like to hold space for yourself like that? To give yourself and your ideas room to breathe. Room to play and explore and grow without being on deadline, without expectation of a specific outcome or result. This can sound a bit abstract as a concept, so let me walk you through four different ways in which you might consider holding space for yourself in the new year. The first is the most obvious, time. Without the space of time, there is no possibility of anything new unfolding, whether that be a creative project a new insight about your career path, 
or a healing of some wound that's holding you back. Giving yourself the gift of time without the expectation of productivity is the first and foremost way to hold space for yourself. And I'm not talking about a six-month sabbatical here, just little pockets, hours, even minutes throughout your day that you reclaim for yourself. So many of us are constantly rushing from one activity to the next as we seek to do a good job at work or evolve ourselves as humans. We dash from one meeting to the next, one email to the next, from work to yoga class, from yoga class to dinner, and so on. Our daily activities are pressed up against each other cheek to jowl, and there's no room left to seed anything new, to let it grow and expand unfettered. Our schedules are packed too tight for that. So the first step in holding space for new ideas to come in and for new intentions to manifest is a loosening of this impulse to overschedule, to perhaps even strive to underschedule. Or if schedule you must, to block out moments in your day when you aren't obliged to do anything. Because, as I said before, one of the most important aspects of holding space in the context of time is to do so without expectation of productivity. So much of what goes into making positive change, generating new ideas, or healing yourself doesn't look like anything is happening. Because it's all happening internally in the unconscious, guided by the natural wisdom of the body. It's a process of gestation in which 95% of the work happens deep beneath the surface. Pregnancy is, of course, the perfect example. Does a woman feel like she's making little organs and eyes and hands as she's carrying a child? Does she consciously think, today I will make perfectly formed fingernails? Of course not. It all unfolds without her conscious effort, as part of the gestation process. All that's necessary is time and the nurturing space she creates with her womb. Everything else happens almost as if by magic. That is the power of holding space and giving yourself time. The second way to hold space is by creating idea space. We've been culturally conditioned to believe in self-betterment as an unadulterated good, that we are not sufficient just as we are, and thus to improve ourselves, we must be more informed, exercise more, adopt a new diet, digest more ideas, learn new skills, and on and on on a never-ending treadmill of self-improvement where, at some point in the vanishing future, we will finally be improved enough to, what, take a break and rest? just be ourselves? This message is everywhere, and it's insidious. I rolled down the top edge of my sock the other day, and there, stitched on the inside, it said, be better. That's right. We've reached a point where my socks are nagging me to be better, and I'm supposed to be inspired rather than insulted. And the upshot of this everlasting pursuit of betterness is that we're constantly shoving more and more information into our brains. Rather than just walking into a shop and buying a new dishwasher, you spend six hours researching which is the best dishwasher. Rather than just diving into your new project and feeling your way through it, you read blogs and listen to podcasts about how other people have done similar projects and prepare to build your skills first. 
Rather than sitting and eating dinner alone with your thoughts, you watch Netflix or Amazon to keep the quiet at bay. I could give a million other examples, but the long and short of it is that we are constantly consuming other people's ideas rather than leaving space for our own. We're binge eating information, constantly shoving more and more ideas into our brains and leaving no mental space for our own ideas to seed and grow and expand. And unfortunately, insight or change will almost certainly not arrive if we can't even hear ourselves thinking. So here, too, is another way in which we can perhaps free up some space by loosening or releasing our addiction to other people's ideas so that we can hold space for our own. The third way to hold space is through ritual. My friend introduced me to a really wonderful audiobook I absolutely adore last year called Making the Gods Work for You by Caroline Casey. Side note, if the title bothers you, look past it because it's very tongue-in-cheek. One of the things that Casey advocates for in her talk is that the way we get the universe, or the gods, to support our plans is by making those intentions manifest in a physical way, by bringing them out of our heads and into the 3D world, by surrounding our intentions with ritual process. That could look like anything you might want to do. The only criterion is that it's something you do in 3D space with your body and or your hands. So one way to create ritual space could be to journal every morning. Another could be to meditate every day. Or you could light a candle and say a prayer every day. Or pull a tarot card. I like to engage in a practice I call wall journaling, where I go through a bunch of art books and magazines and intuitively pull out the images that speak to me. Then I carefully arrange them all on a wall in my office. Usually the process unfolds over a few days as I sit with the images and think about what's missing or what I need to take away. And at a certain point, the collage is set, and it usually stays up on the wall for about three months. And at some point, the unconscious forces that guided me to those particular images become apparent as some growth or change unfolds. You could also think about who your chosen creative ancestors are a practice we talked about in an earlier episode, and cut out images of them to put over your desk as a kind of collection of guiding angels and inspiration. The possibilities for creating ritual space are infinite, but the idea is that you are literally, physically, carving out time and space in the 3D world for actualizing your intentions. There's real power in simply showing your commitment day in and day out Not necessarily by doing anything, but just by ritually opening up space for something to happen. The last and perhaps most important way to hold space is by creating what I'm going to call heart space. For all of the reasons that I articulated earlier about our collective obsession with self-improvement, we tend to be very, very hard on ourselves. We believe that we must make something of ourselves, which presupposes, of course, that the current self is inadequate and not good enough, and often results in us looking on ourselves with an attitude of tough love. To get the best performance, we admonish ourselves, discipline ourselves, critique ourselves. Or, as the mindfulness teacher Steve Hickman says, the beatings will continue until morale improves. 
This is the attitude that many of us take towards ourselves. We think if our discipline is imperfect, perhaps we can improve it by criticizing or belittling ourselves until, ashamed enough, we decide to improve our performance. But of course this doesn't work. Beatings do not improve morale, nor will they help you improve yourself. This is why holding heart space can be so powerful. And to be clear, this is not about a lack of discipline or taking an attitude of laziness. It's about taking an attitude of tender discipline towards yourself. A concept I talked about in an earlier podcast episode called, Who Are You Without the Doing? In this particular moment, as we think about New Year's intentions and this idea of making positive change, one of the ways that we most commonly constrict in the heart space is through impatience. You know you need to change. You know you want to change. So why isn't it happening already? Or you know you have this goal. You know you want to do this project. So why can't you start it? Better yet, why haven't you already finished it? But when we get impatient, that heart space really constricts. And then there's no breathing room. And there's no tenderness. And there's no flow. When you get stuck and then you criticize yourself for being stuck, all that does is make you more stuck. But if you can be gentle with yourself and hold space for yourself, be open and present and allowing with whatever is happening, even if it's not what you want to happen, then you're swimming with the tide rather than against it. And eventually, you will get to the shore. At its core, holding heart space means having faith in yourself and your mind and your body and your intuition. If you're making a good faith effort and things are going slower than expected or you're a little stuck, that's okay. You don't have to beat yourself up about it. What you resist persists, as they say. Instead, consider being tender with yourself and accepting that this is all just part of the gestation process. I tell you this not only as someone who knows it to be true, but also as someone who needs to hear it. This episode is the first thing I've written in over five months, and the seed of this idea came over nine months ago. I've been making small things, but mostly I've spent the better part of 2019 holding space for myself, waiting, writing in my journal, doing my rituals, Something is gestating, but I'm not quite sure what it is. But I'll let you know when I find out. For the moment, we're all in this together. Let's try to hold more space for ourselves and the people we love in 2020 and see what unfolds. Thanks for listening. And remember to take your time.